Welcome to the Restoration Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Restoration Church. My name is Nate, and I'm the lead pastor here. Last week, I got the privilege of worshiping at the Plymouth location, and that was a lot of fun. Great seeing everybody and uh, meeting people who are new to the church. It was a great time. Pastor Lisa is doing such a great job leading there, and the team there, obviously, just killer. Uh, Speaking of killer... Um, there's a guy on the loose. No, just kidding. Uh, speaking of killer, our worship band, um, Restoration Worship, led this last week at a teen camp in Kentucky. And so just proud of you guys. I know they're all over at every location, but you were, they were serving all week and serving today still. And just a great thing. It is just one proud that, uh, proud of you guys for eating asked. And then two, Proud of you that uh, you didn't get sent home early. So amazing. <laughs> Love you guys. Uh, we are in this series called Frame Off Restoration. I like to use uh, illustrations from life to help us to, to uh, create some, some metaphors, some examples from life to help us understand, understand things from Scripture. Jesus did this as well. He, you know, he talk, he, when he would teach parables, he would say, it's like... A guy who's a farmer and he's planting seed. And he would use those illustrations to help people remember principles of the kingdom of God. So what we're talking about is the process of restoring a car, taking a car apart and putting it back together to to make it um, sometimes, many times, even better than the original. And that's the illustration we've been using. I, uh, you know, I, I took some classes of automotive when I was in high school, so I've got a little bit of a a better understanding than Pastor Jeremy does of of how cars work and and what they do. Now, I know he said last week that he never changes the oil in his car, and I just want to encourage you, like, that's not good stewardship. So for you, for you, make sure you're doing that. Oil is very important. And I remember in automotive one class, uh, automotive class one day, these guys tried to cheat off me. We're taking a test, and it was a small engines class, and these two other guys uh, were trying to cheat off me, and they're like, tell us the answer, tell us the answer. So the question was about oil. And uh, so this is related to Jeremy. I hope you're taking note. The question was about oil, and it was the four functions of oil. And so oil has functions. It, it, it lubricates the engine, it cleans the engine, it cools the engine, it seals the engine. It, it helps with, with, uh, with combustion. And so these guys are like, hey, hey, Nate, Nate, what's the answer? What's the answer? And so I said, oh, sh-. I, like, I whisper so I won't get caught by the teacher. And I tell them the four functions of oil are hot, wet, cold, and dry. And so they're like writing it down, writing it down. <laughs> I, that's the only one I remember, but I told them the wrong answers for at least 10 questions on that short little test, of which they failed, and I didn't. Um, today, I'm going to talk about engines and use an illustration of an engine. If you're, if you're uh, doing a, a restoration project on an old car, uh, eventually you're going to get to the engine. You're not going to put in back that old, leaky, high-mileage engine. You're going to probably rebuild it, and uh, you're going to take 
care to make sure, and probably the most money is going to go into the engine. The, the most time is going to go into the engine. It is kind of important. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of concept cars where people like General Motors or Toyota are showing a futuristic car of what they could design in the future. And concept cars, most of the time, they're ama- they look so amazing. But many concept cars don't even run. They, they, they don't, they don't, it just looks pretty from the outside. Uh, but but you, there's no way to turn it on. There's not a battery in there. Sometimes there's not a, a running engine in there. They just slap a bunch of stuff together for a photo op. As we walk through today, we're talking about frame off restoration. You know, we, we've, we've talked last week about rust and corrosion, making sure we're removing all of that so we've got something solid to, to build upon that we're not letting that eat away at, uh, at our spiritual life. But today... To talk about engines, I want to talk about things in our spiritual life that, that we need to keep moving. Things in our spiritual life, our, our spiritual engine that's moving us forward toward the kingdom of God. We think about this idea of a concept car with no engine. I want to tell you this, why, and ask you this, why would you want a religious life that doesn't lead to eternal life? That's having a concept car of no engine. You've got this concept, this idea of, of a relationship with God, this idea of, of practicing your faith, but no actual faith, no actual engine. So the only thing you're doing is, pra- is, is kind of putting on a show, maybe getting some pictures, but nothing that's actually leading anywhere, nothing that'll actually bring you anywhere. We don't just want a religious life. We want a relationship and walk with Jesus that, that is producing something fruit in our life today, that is storing up treasure for us in heaven, but also that we have the assurance that there is a life after this one that we're going to participate in. And the life after this one is way beyond anything you've ever experienced. If you think about the greatest moments in that you've ever had in this life, the greatest moments, heaven far surpasses those. Heaven far surpasses those. We've grown up, I know I grew up in, a, I don't know why the lights are doing that, they're going to work on trying to figure that out, but it's like a strobe show in here. Uh, you're not having a seizure, but I may here shortly. We, we, um, I think I just had one. We, I used to have this idea of heaven that it was like a, uh, that it was like a, like a, 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 a hotel that needed to be renovated. That everything was brass and pink and outdated. And that's what heaven was like. It was like showing up into your grandmother's house and, and like, you know, the couches are covered with plastic and there's old ribbon candy. It's just, that's what I, that's what it felt like heaven was going to be. Heaven's not like that because though God is ancient, God is never outdated. And though God is, uh, God is uncreated, God is never irrelevant. And heaven's not going to, heaven and our future earth is not going to be that way either. We do not spend eternity singing but there'll be an economy after this one. There'll be recreation after this one. And it 
is going to be, I mean, our greatest moments on this earth are, are like hell compared to the greatest moments we'll experience in the life after this one. So let's get back to engines here a little bit. For many of us, uh, the majority of the people in our church own uh, somewhere, whether it's their car or their lawnmower, a four-stroke engine, an internal combustion engine. I got a picture of this that I'm going to show you. And this is, welcome to, uh, to, my, to shop class or, or automotive class day one. This is what an engine does. You have your intake stroke of four strokes, one, two, three, four. That's why it's called a four-stroke engine. Stroke number one is intake. This is where the piston is moving downward. You're intaking fuel and air. Stroke number two is combustion. This is where you're taking all that and pushing it all together. Stroke number three is your power or combustion stroke, where is where your spark plugs light, the electricity spark explodes it, it then pushes it back down, and then your exhaust stroke where it's blowing out that old gas. We're gonna use this illustration you can keep it up for a little bit until we move to the first scripture to help us understand our spiritual life. I think there's four key components, some that you may have overlooked, some that you are overlooking, that are just part of moving forward in Christ, part of growing spiritually, part of finishing the race that Jesus called us to. And, uh, and, and I, I want you to evaluate yourself on this. I want you to learn this, evaluate yourself on this. For many of you, it's going to be like, yeah, I do that, I do that, I do that. The question is not whether or not you know what I'm about to teach you. The question is, are you living what I'm about to teach you? It's a big difference between knowing I need to tell my wife I love her and actually telling her I love her. And she's actually in Dover today, I love you. As the kids say, I've got W Riz. Um, the, uh, hey, you don't have kids. I, I don't know what it means either. That's just what the kids say. Um, so let's talk about intake. The intake stroke, the intake part of your spiritual life. This is, the, again, the part where you're taking in air and fuel. But in your spiritual life, what are you taking in? Now, most obvious. Sometimes maybe most overlooked, but it is the intake of Scripture, the intake of the Word. And how do you do that? What's the process you use? Certainly a lot of different ways that you can be intaking Scripture in your life. It's not important that you're comparing yourself with how other people are doing it and what their devotional life looks like. But, or how they study the Bible, or what degrees they have, but how are you intaking scripture in your life on a daily, weekly, annual basis? How are you taking in scripture in your life? Now, I'll share with you some scriptures, and I'm gonna kind of roll through these because I wanna make sure that we get through all the scriptures we wanna go through today. But when Jesus and when God are describing this book to us, there's one of the illustrations they use is to describe it as food, to describe it as fuel for our spirit man and our spiritual life in order to help it to continue to move and have momentum. 
Jeremiah 15, 16 says this, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. And I'll pause there for a second. Uh, I remember my dad telling me about his salvation story, and, and I, I've shared parts of this this year in different messages, but he was a welder. He worked at a welding shop. One of his coworkers led him and eventually almost the entire welding shop to know Jesus. When my dad became a Christian, he read this book cover to cover in two weeks of being saved. And my dad at that time was not a, uh, was not a scholar. He was not an academic. He was a welder. And, but, but he, once, I, once he found Jesus, he devoured it. So within two weeks, he read the entire Bible. Then, two weeks after that, he read through the entire Bible again. So within four and a half weeks of being a follower of Jesus, he had read through the entire Bible two times. I feel like that is a great example of this scripture. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's armies. You've got to, we've, I think part of this, right, part of being, some of us are like, I don't read the Bible, I'm kind of bored of the Bible, I don't get the Bible, I don't understand the Bible, I, I love everything, I love Jesus, but, but the Bible, like, eh, I have a hard time, all right? I think there's a, there's a couple of reasons for this. One, you're thinking about this as a textbook, which it is not. It is alive, it is living, it is supernatural. It's not, a, it's not a, just a book of history. It is God's words to us. And I think when we look at this scripture, they are my joy and my heart's delights for I bear your name. We, what, what we kind of miss in this because there's so many different styles of writing. There's books on history. There's books that are letters. There's books that are poetry. What we miss in all of that is that part of this is almost a love letter. And the, the same way that we'd open a, a DM or a letter from a crush or a girlfriend or someone we love to realize like when we're diving into this, our God who created us and loved us has left these words for us. And it takes, it takes a little bit of the schoolwork, homework, checklist, to-do list out of reading the Bible when you realize that God has penned these words in order to speak to you very specifically. And you just never know as you're reading this, the, the thing that God wants to point out to give you revelation to, to encourage you with, to correct you with. But as you begin to read this, not to read it as a checklist or like, I'm going to just, you know, read it like I read my Danielle Steele books. <laughs> I'm going to read this because God is going to speak to me. God, what do you want to say to me? And in taking scripture is, again, fuel for our spiritual life. Matthew chapter 4, 4, Jesus said this. He told them no, is responding to something else they said. He said, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So you're thinking about your spiritual life and you're more concerned about your, you know, your, what, I was trying to, your macros, you're more concerned about your, your protein and your fat ratio and your vitamins and, than you are about the Word of God. 
don't neglect the intake of fuel for your spirit, man. And then in 1 Peter, a third author in Scripture speaking to her the same thing. In Peter 2.2, it says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Intake the word. Intake the word. And not always listening to a regurgitation of the word by a preacher. Now, I I should not have denigrated myself like that, but you have got to read the word for yourself. So not always listening to a sermon, but open it up and read it. I'm happy on Sunday mornings to be like a mother robin bird and to spit up some worm juice into your bellies. But it's, there comes a time, and the time's today, for you to pick up the Bible and begin to read it for yourself. Now, one of the things, just a side note here, the Bible, you don't really read it. You don't have to read it like any other book because you don't just start at the beginning and go to the beginning because this is a library, not a singular book. There are 66 different books between this cover, so you don't just start at the beginning and read to the end uh, because it's not even in chronological order. What you can do is, for many Read, start, just go to your table of contents, find the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, or the gospel of John, and begin to read that. So you can read a firsthand eyewitness account of Jesus and what he did. And that's a great place to start, which is about here in the book, not in the beginning. But you can read it in any order you did. Again, my dad read it cover to cover, uh, so there's not, nothing wrong with that approach. But if you're finding yourself like, I don't get it, I'm confused. Go back and read, or, or, or move ahead and read one of the Gospels and hear about Jesus and, and read about what he did and read the words that he said. The word is the fuel for our spiritual life. Now, if you find yourself kind of stuttering and stalling in your spiritual life, you've got to realize, well, what's your word intake? And then we talked about false teachers last week that sometimes we can have a distorted understanding of scripture. We can even use scripture to create false doctrines. And in the same way that you've got water in your gasoline or you put your, your, or someone puts diesel when you're supposed to be running gasoline, you can really stutter out spiritually when all of a sudden you have a pride or you've, or you've, um, I, or you've latched onto a dogma and you're beginning to believe a false teacher. Very, very important. Again, we want the pure milk of the word. We don't want Yoohoo. Yoohoo is not chocolate milk. All right, if you even check, they don't even try to hide it. It says chocolate drink. You don't want chocolate drink. Get the pure word. Just last thing here on this point on the intake. This is very important. I don't know if we've talked about this outside of the church podcast, but very important. Old time uh, holiness Christianity in the 80s talked about the eye gate, the ear gate, and the mouth gate. That you've got to be careful. These are entry points into your soul. 
your eyes, your ears, and your mouth. Guard those areas. Be careful what you watch, what you're looking at. Be careful what you're listening to. You shouldn't be listening to music that's using cuss words and, and, and denigrating women, calling them B's and H's. You shouldn't be listening to that music. Um, so because what is that doing? It's getting into your soul and even your mouth, the things you intake. Why does scripture warn so much about alcohol? Because that intake leads to drunkenness, which leads to destroyed lives. Be careful what you're intaking into your soul. Second point here, the second thing here was the compression stroke. And this is a part that uh, we don't ever really see as an important part of our spiritual growth and our spiritual life. But this is, in the engine, this is where it's pushing the air and the fuel. Without that, there's not going to be a powerful explosion. But in our life, what's the compression stroke for us? And I'll show you the scriptures here. But it is trials and testing and pressure that is put on us in our life. It is important... And God's designed it so that one of the key things in your spiritual life and growth in your spiritual life and movement in your spiritual life happens when bad things happen. Oh, the question, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, it's part of spiritual growth. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. James, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. He says, Dear brothers and sisters... When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is, test, is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Trials come, consider it joy. Why? Because you're going to grow you're going to endure. You're going to need nothing. It's going to be a perfectness and a completeness that's born out of trials. Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 13. He said, seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. This moment of salvation. Yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. So testing and trial can make our spiritual roots grow deeper. Or if we have no roots, it will cause us to neglect Christ and walk away from him the first time that we face adversity. And then in Acts chapter 14, verse number 22, it says, uh, Paul and Barnabas, were, are, are who they're talking about, Paul and Barnabas encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Can we look at that for a second here? Paul and Barnabas teaching new believers, Pastor Nate teaching you, if we're going to grow spiritually, if we're going to have a spiritual engine, we just have to understand we must, we must, everybody say it with me, we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. We must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. It's just a part of that. 
a part of that that causes us to cling to Christ. And I think there's part of a trial that we know that our faith is real. I, wow, I am a follower of Jesus because that circumstance has caused me to grow closer to him, to draw closer to him, to experience him deeper. Third thing here is a power or combustion stroke. And what happens is when you have the, when you're intaking the word and then you're experiencing the pressures of this life, those two things combine into action in your life. And it's not a, it doesn't become a difficulty to move in your spiritual life, to serve others, to use your gifts, to share your faith because the word and trials have produced great joy, have produced action, have produced motivation, have created, have, have created a, a spark that now is moving. Something that, that people don't always realize, but when you study church history, the times where the church has faced the greatest persecution, the greatest moments of persecution have been always times of great growth for the church. So when people are losing their lives, losing their jobs, losing their families because they're followers of Jesus, that does not make the church shrink, but the contrary is always true. The church spreads like crazy because of this principle, pressure and the word brings a spark, brings power, brings movement. First Peter chapter four, verses 10 through 11 says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Church, Restoration Church, God, this is scripture, this is true for you. God has given each one of you a spiritual gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Every single one of you have one. Every single one of you. He's given you at least one gift. This is a promise. This is a truth. Every single one of you. He says then, use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. How glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Sometimes the reason we're having such a misfire or a hiccup in our spiritual life is because we're not doing anything for the church. We're not using, and by the church, I don't mean restoration church, I mean us as the church. The church is not a building. We are the church. We have the building for crappy rain days like today to keep us dry. It's a building. We are the church. We're not using the gift that God's given us to help anybody else. And we have to serve. You have to figure out how are you going to serve and help other Christians? What's the gift that you have? The fourth one is this, and, and um, after I, re I read the scripture, the band can come up, but it's the exhaust stroke. 
So when that fuel and air explodes and fires, what's left? Smoke and carbon. And so you've got another valve that opens up that blows it all out and, uh, you know, and goes into the ozone layer. It's all there. It's all very important. All very important. The exhaust valve on our life is that of confession and repentance. That there, there are things that have come in, things, thoughts that we've had, sins that we've done, that we've got to repent of, that we need to confess and rid ourselves of. If an engine doesn't have an exhaust valve or that was working properly, it will foul the plugs, it will foul the intake cylinder, it's not gonna continue to run. Very, very important. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. Throw that picture back up there for me of, uh, of the engine. Intaking of word, intaking of counsel, intaking the, receiving the fuel of the bread of life, the fuel of the words of God into your life and your heart. Compression, that pressure that we experience, it's not gonna kill you. No, it's only going to create a greater reward for you, greater endurance, greater faith, greater witness. A lot is gonna happen in that pressure that will not be wasted. God will use all of that energy, all of that trial to spark something very powerful. We begin to serve each other. We begin to serve the world. Many come to know Christ. And then we just always got to be, be careful. There are always sometimes things that are infiltrating our mind, our hearts, our, our, our thoughts that we want to always be consciously, always aware of repenting, confessing. Matthew 8, having Matthew 18 conversations with, with our, our friends and people in our church, keeping short accounts. Not only the angerness or bitter come in. Listen, sometimes what's been happening is you just evaluate your spiritual life and you can recognize your misfiring. If you get a four-cylinder car and one of the cylinders isn't running, you recognize that. It sounds different. It doesn't run as smooth. You're misfiring because something's happening. Either you've lost spark or there's no compression. You're just taking the lazy road. You're not allowing any compression in your life. You're not allowing any pressure in your life. You're misfiring. What is it? Is there no spark? Is there no fuel? Is there no compression? What's going on in your life? Where? What's missing? Where is it missing? I just got a couple bonus points here for you. All right. As you think about that you're, and you're considering that, and maybe, and I know for many of you, you're running this. You're running this. Man, you're a well-balanced engine. Some of us are starting, we're a single cylinder lawnmower. Some of you are V12s. And, but if we're talking, if we're gonna restore something, you know what, there's ability to even do some add-ons and some modifications to the engine. I'll give you two quick ones. One, install a turbo on that engine or a supercharger on that engine. How do you do this? in your spiritual life, begin to fast. 
Don't just have, you can have conversation with God, but there's prayer and fasting, which is like adding a turbo or a supercharger to your spiritual engine. Something is significantly different when you have a regular practice of fasting. The other thing, oh, and uh, I'll skip that. The other thing is uh, another add-on here. You can uh, add some NOS, some nitrous oxide to your spiritual life. Or, um, or maybe a better illustration would be to bore over the engine, to add more displacement. And that is through receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. To permanently increase your, your engine displacement, your power, by allowing the baptism of the Holy Spirit to, uh, to receive that and allow God to unlock a little bit more horsepower in your life. Frame off restoration. How's your spiritual engine? How are you doing? What add-ons or modifications do you need to make to help it run a little bit better? Where's the timing off? Where is there maybe some buildup, some fouling of the plugs that you can just take apart, take it all apart, maybe to say, now I'm gonna just establish healthy spiritual rhythms in my life. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for everybody here in service today for your call on their life. God, for some, they haven't realized it, but they've been running around with a check engine light on. And they're serving, but they're not intaking fuel, and so they're just running lean. They're not, they're not spending time with you like they did before. They're running on their own energy, not on the fuel of the Word. And I pray they recognize that. They begin to adjust. God, maybe... Maybe for different reasons, they haven't been repenting, confessing to you, to others, things that they've let in their life. Maybe they just even have, they have not even recognized how they've compromised or how they've um, just allowed things into their life. I just pray, Lord, that they would, they would see it. And as you begin to speak to their heart about these things, they share it with you and give it to you and allow you to clean them to clean out their heart and allow them to keep moving in their spiritual life Jesus in all ways in all things we may we acknowledge you may we live for you may we live with you may we live a spirit-filled life and and I pray for everybody in our services today that today will mark the beginning of perpetual and continual spiritual growth in their life. May every person in our church finish the race that you've started them on. May every person in our church see you face to face in eternity. May every person in our church experience the joy of serving and following you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite everybody in our church to stand to your feet. We want to take a moment and we're going to sing and worship our Lord. And um, so we sing together.